baptism of the Holy Ghost, you don't have to leave here. You don't have to leave here. I said last night, you're going to need it. (laughs) One of the things that I love about praying in the Spirit is it's a language that the enemy, he doesn't understand. He can't interfere in something that he doesn't know what you're talking about. But most of all, I love praying in the Spirit because it's a language I don't understand. See, a lot of people, they get uh, uncomfortable with that. They get uncomfortable because they, the enemy begins to tell them that they look foolish or they sound foolish. But I, take, I think it's a privilege, Pastor Amy. It's a privilege that I don't understand what I'm saying because there has been times in my life, there has been times in my life I didn't have the words. I know all you are Bible scholars in here, and I know you can quote the word because you've been spending so much time memorizing it. (laughs) We're funny, aren't we? (laughs) But there's been moments where I caught myself saying, would rise up in me and I would just open my mouth and out of my mouth would say oh I can't even fathom the depth the mystery in which I am communicating with the one I love Perfect prayer, Pastor. Perfect. See, Rana has messed so many things up in her life. You have no idea the things that I've missed it on. How many times I doubted. You don't know how many times fear got a hold of me. See, fear is not an emotion. It is a spirit. You don't know how many times you gotta you gotta understand I am not qualified to be up here. I know it. I I'm like most of the ladies in this house. I thought I would marry a preacher and we would have this house and two kids three years apart. Everything that I visualized in my mind and my heart as I saw myself as a young girl and growing up into a teenager and wondering who my Prince Charming was going to be and how perfect my children were going to be. I saw it. I knew it was going to happen that way. (laughs) The Bible says he would give us the desires of our heart. But I remember I was actually in the office at Tyler Metro that Pastor Jerry and Miss Martha had given to me while I was on their staff. I was in that office when all of a sudden the Lord slowed down that verse to me. And he said to me, my spirit, delight yourself in me and I will give you the desire. I remember the day when I I turned around. 
I always got tickled at Pastor Jerry because my office is at one end of the hall. His was on the other end. And that's when he had just got a phone that you can talk into, and it would text you. (laughs) And he texts me like that. And I couldn't understand a word of it. (laughs) Then I heard his boots shuffling down the hallways and giggling. And he came in there and he said, I'm trying to do this. (laughs) Well, Pastor, what was it that you wanted to say? (laughs) I was in that office when I realized that the scripture wasn't meaning that I could just say, Lord, God, you know that outfit down there at Chico's. You said in your word you would give me the desire of my heart. Y'all have done it. Don't you lie. I can tell by the earrings you're wearing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desire. See, in you right now, because of eternity past, Something in your spirit desires to have all that he has. But because of carnal thinking and peer pressure and traditions, sometimes I found myself, I like telling myself, I want, to know, I want y'all to know exactly who's up here. <laughs> I found myself having my own opinion about things. It's a dangerous thing to preach from your opinion. We've lost generations, people, because ministers preached from what they thought they knew instead of revelation. That's why I tell the ministers that I'm friends with that ask me certain questions, if you can't be transformed by it, like I said last night, don't, don't preach it. Get the renewing of your mind. Be transformed. Be changed. See, the Word of God is alive. We, we discussed it last night. This lady back here touched my life. She came up to me earlier and she said, I literally sat back here. The lady in the orange, you blessed me with your testimony. She said, when you said the Bible is not a book, I never realized that all these years, that's me. I've treated it like a book. And she said, I literally sat back here last night and I cried and cried, repenting and repenting and repenting and repenting. The glory began to manifest, Pastor, in the services and in my home, in my home where I could tangibly see it, tangibly feel it, began to manifest when I began to not be ashamed or be too good for my britches on the things that I allowed the Holy Ghost to come and reveal to me the things in my life and in my heart that wasn't like Him. Don't get so caught up in what you do for Jesus that you miss him altogether. 
we get so caught up in how we, what we do, our talents, how we fill our churches, that we're missing him. The beauty to the gospel is the simplicity of it. That is where the power is found. There are great depths to the gospel. There's Bible teachers. They are anointed to teach the word. And they can blow your mind how they unfold it. But if you don't have a foundation of just the simple truth of who Jesus is and who you are in him, how would you ask? Some of us have a bad day by simply when someone looks at us at the wrong way. There has been times in my life, Sister Barbara, I love you. I asked her one time. She has a bunch of babies. They're all grown now. And every one of them, I'm telling you, every one of them is like doctors and lawyers. And and, and Aku is this minister. goes all over the world. I'm like, what did you feed them? Like, I, 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 they're not like like a doctor. <laughs> There's physicians in the house. I'm not trying to downgrade. <laughs> they're like doctors, <laughs> lawyers. Like their minds are. I we 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 would meet for coffee sometime, Miss Barbara. I love those times I had with you. Thank you for that. She, you rocked my world one time, right down the road here at a Starbucks. It was just me and you. And I told you some things, and you looked me right in the face like you do, and you said, you need to get over yourself. (laughs) I think you're the reason why I'm the way I am, now that I think about it. I have preached get over yourself all over this world. And I just now realized where it come from. <laughs> Give her a big hand. I love her. <laughs> oh, it didn't get it didn't get any better. The conversation then the next thing she said was, "You need to repent. Get over yourself. Repent." I said, <laughs> "I did." <laughs> Where was I at? (laughs) Where was I at? Y'all ain't listening to me? (laughs) It's somebody. (laughs) Listen, I lose my train of thought like that. Y'all have to stay (laughs) with it. Y'all going to have to help me. That's why I say this ain't the Ronna Harrison show. We're all in this together. Amen. (laughs) The table's round here. Yes. Well, that's because I haven't heard from the third, third one. Thank you for that. I haven't heard from the third one. It might have happened, and they they know I'm on the road. And Pastor Crab and Amanda are in Virginia right now. So, but we know they're expecting that. But anyway, the thing about it is, 
is that God is faithful. I, I, I want to go back just a minute. And I want to share with you the reason why I tell the stories of some of the things that's happened in my life and some of the prophecies that took place in our meetings. Because it's, it's, it's a constant reminder that in order to... I, I was thinking about this last night and even on the way over here. I want to slow down for just a second. You must understand that operating and living your life in the presence of the Lord with the, that glory. Manif- we, 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 I've made it clear that the manifestation of the glory is heavy. It's present. It's right now. It's tangible. It is, it is when we step into that, that's what makes the Word of God alive. And that the promises are not there for you to quote them. They're there for you to experience them. Did you hear what I said? The promises of God are not there for you to just, I'll say just, because I do quote them myself. They're not there for you to just quote them. They were written for you to experience them. That is the glory. All through the Old Testament, Moses, he experienced the glory. It wasn't something he hoped that happened. It wasn't something that he heard about that happened on another mountain somewhere. You know, like we hear about churches that are experiencing things way over there. The thing about it is, is that when you began to take the time, not when you're in church, but out there, while you're doing dishes, while you're doing laundry, while you're getting your kids ready for school. Listen, life is going to happen. Just me flying here. I flew in. Just me flying here on an airplane. I had my daughter and, and my husband, three or four days before I came here, both got a flu with 100. She had 104 fever. My husband's got 103.6. I finally got it down to 102 point something. The the doctor said, you can put her on the airplane as long as she can breathe through her nose. I was calling the airlines and telling them, I have to drive. Because they said her ears would bust with the pressure. We couldn't put her on the airplane. So I knew I was supposed to be here. And And if that wasn't enough right there. You know, it's hard to come and go in. Just because I have a meeting or a revival or a conference, I'm still a mama. My ministry, first and foremost, is not to you. My first ministry is to my husband and then to my children. And if you're doing anything outside of that order, you're already getting it wrong. I never leave my house. I don't care. There's been times, Pastor, that I was only home for a day when I wasn't. I had to just unpack, wash clothes, and pack again. But I do not leave my house if my husband's not going with me, that his clothes are not clean. The only dirty on is the ones he's wearing. I make sure there's food. I make sure the house is clean. You don't know how many times I've mopped on the way out the door as he's carrying the suitcase. My husband... 
and my family are my ministry. If I can't take care of the ones in my own house, I have no business trying to minister to you. I have friends that are ministries, huge, global. You see them on TV all the time. And right, I talked to her. I talked, she's text me. She, she was actually going to try to come in today. I talked to her today, and, and we have discussed that in years of ministry, even though they're global and they're on TBN and they're all over the world and he's got books out and, and she's uh, this big-time preacher, they have suffered in their own house with their own children. I'm not judging them, but they themselves have seen they wish they could go back and do some things different. When the Holy Spirit begins to reveal something in you, that's not the time to get upset or to be embarrassed. That is the time to say, Lord, thank you for showing me myself. Because there's been times, Loretta, that I've looked back and I look at the time that I've wasted that I didn't redeem. I'm not very old. I'm 45 years old. But I'm old enough to know I don't want to lose another moment to be transformed by his word. Why? Because I have experienced what that means. I was in service. It wasn't the service where the Shekinah glory fell. It wasn't that one. You can go on my Facebook. A lot of people were asking me about that. People were taking pictures. That is not a fog machine. That's not a, 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 a Photoshop. That is a real picture. And if you zoom it up in the far left corner, there is, you can see, full, full figured. There, if you zoom that picture up, Amy, there is an angel standing. And you can see it if you go on my Facebook. You can go to Harrison Ministries International uh, Facebook page. I think it's on there. Or you can go to uh, the Restoring Hope Facebook. It's on there. But a different service I was at, Restoring Hope, they have an intercessory team. And this team is about 25 or 30 people. It's huge. And when I say there's intercession going on all the time there, you can go at 4 o'clock in the morning and there'll be a team of people in that church. It's all the time. You've never, it's, it, 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 it's mind-blowing. And we had been ministering and pastor said, he said, I have my intercessor team standing behind you. Will you pray over them? I turned around and there's 25, 30 people, men and women both. And the Lord said, get her, get her, and get her, and pull them out. And I did, and that church went wild. What I didn't know, but, but they did, is I had just pulled out their prayer captains. And the Lord had a specific prophetic word for them. But what was amazing was while I was ministering, I had my back towards the crowd, and the Lord said, turn around. And I turned around and there was the most beautiful, uh, mature lady sitting on the front row. Now, listen, when I say mature, I'm talking about an older person 
don't call me old when I get, I'm, have you ever heard people, oh, you know that elderly lady. Who thought that was a good idea? You know, you know, the, that old lady. <laughs> don't you do it. There's some women in here. Don't you call them old. Don't you call them elderly. That's like death. Isn't it? Even the word. I think we should knock it right out of the vote. Elderly. That's just death rolling right off the tongue. There was a mature lady, beautiful lady. And I walked up to her, and I noticed as I was walking up to her, and you got to understand, there are hundreds of people in this place. Hundreds. And they don't leave. That's this is the same church they order in food. I mean, DoorDash and Grubhub made some money that day. There was food coming in on this side, food coming in on that. They were... Pastor, they had the mamas with toddlers were making pallets on the floor. Most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. And they kept saying, go on, go on. (laughs) I turned around and when I turned to her, the whole church went from interceding and wailing to a complete hush. And this is what I said to her. I said, lady, I hear a story being told over and over again. And then I began to hear people begin to just wail in the spirit. And every time the story is told, you draw a line in the sand. And Carissa All of a sudden, travail hit me. See, there is prayer. I'm still talking about the glory. Then there is intercession. And then there is travail. Some people stop at intercession. They're satisfied there. And then there's some people, they'll go deeper because there's a birthing. Has taken place. I couldn't control it. I didn't care how many hundreds of people was looking at me. My body went into a travail. And it was like a death. It felt like a death. And I said, I said, I see a young man. And when I said that, that church was wrecked. And I said, It's like a death. You got to understand this glory that fell, Akua, on this service was so heavy that for a split, can I just be real? It's just us, right? I'm, I'm home in East Texas. For a split second, see, my son is, 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 is on a special forces team in deployment right now. He's 21 years old. This is his second tour. And when he was in Iraq, he got caught in a bomb 
and it did blow him about 30 feet. And he said the bomb, when it threw him, it also sucked him to the ground. And at 20 years old, he hurt his back, he hurt his knees, and it made him go totally deaf in his ear. My baby. And that's what I was going to say while I go. When my, my daughters got sick, my daughter and my uh, husband got sick on the way here. While I was on the plane, when I landed, my husband called and said, Listen, I don't know the details, but Taylor has been hurt and they're life flighting him to Germany. You don't understand. When I was walking through Dallas, a love field, the airport, with a the baby that was sick in her body, and my son is in Germany, and I don't know the details of how he's been injured once more in deployment. I remember thinking, the enemy saying, maybe you shouldn't be doing this. Maybe you should cancel. And you know, as every step that I took, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to preach harder. I'm going to preach longer. I'm going to prophesy. I am going to work. For me and my house, we serve him. See, the glory manifests. No, it's, it, it's like what I said last night. It's continuing in the word. When you get a call uh, from the military that something's wrong with your boy, but they don't give you the details. And you can't just go to him. It was days before I heard from him. What did I do? He is still God. I would tell the emotions in my life. I'd say, listen, I say this all. My Taylor doesn't belong to me. He came through me. He belongs to God. My daughter don't belong to me. She came through me. She belongs to him. He's all right, by the way. So in a split second, because see, I had that on the back of my, my mind that my son, see, I'd had no warning that he was going to be deployed. It was just at three in the morning, the army ringtone on my phone went off. I changed his ringtone. So no matter where I'm at, I know it's him calling because there's so few and far between. And when that ringtone went off at three in the morning, and I always answer like this, Hello? <laughs> Not hello. <laughs> Mama, Amy taught him school. I had to apologize. No, she said he was good. He loves Amy. He said, Mama, I love you. I love you too, son. It's three in the morning. Your son calls to tell you he He can't be in jail. <laughs> What's up? What's up, babe? Three in the morning. <laughs> Mama, they're deploying me. This is my next thing. Y'all ready? They can't do that. <laughs> Mama, they can. And they, I said, when? Right now. Where are you going? You know I can't tell you that. I always ask anyway. 
Just send a code. Give me an idea. Is it cold there? <laughs> but this, that split second, what happened was I, that came up in my spirit. All I could feel was it was like this young man, and it was like a death. And I went down, I had my head down like this, and I was weeping. And Amanda came on this side because, see, they knew what I was talking about. I had no idea what I was talking about. Amanda was losing, and Aaron was on this side of me, and Aaron grabbed me. And I looked at Aaron, and tears falling down my face. And I said, Aaron, uh, uh, I think I'm deserting Taylor. And, and, and I, I said, Aaron, I think I'm deserting Taylor right now in the middle of the service. And Amanda said this, it ain't your boy. Keep prophesying, Rana. It's not your boy. And I said, and I was trying to get up off the floor, and I said, it's like a, a, a death. And Amanda said, Rana, it ain't your boy. Keep prophesying. The whole church is wailing. This woman is just wailing. And I look up at her, and I said, I smell alcohol. And when I said that, I could smell alcohol, Carissa, as if it was right under my nose. I said, I smell alcohol. And when I said that, that was, that, that was it. That church wailed and wailed and interceded. That woman hit the floor. It, it, it was the last straw. And I was like, what? What is happening? And Amanda took the microphone. It's the most powerful, intense prophecy moment I think I've ever experienced. I can't paint the picture the way it was. You're li- I'm listening to, I don't know, three or four hundred people wailing and crying out to God. And I see this mama just almost crawling. It's like, it's like it just happened. Amanda took the phone microphone and she said, for those of you that are not understanding what, what she's picking up, but how many of you remember the, the, the youth bus that was coming home from Kings Island in Kentucky back in the 80s and they were hit by a drunk driver and all 28 youth from that youth group burned alive. Her son was in the bus. A drunk driver hit them. That's why we smelled the alcohol. But when you go back to the beginning of the prophecy, I said this. The Lord said, he said, I hear a story being told over and over and over. And she said, Rana, the reason why the Lord has said that is because every year the state of Kentucky make it a memorial. It's like they rebury them every year. And they send her pictures of the wreck every year on the anniversary of the burnt bus. She can't get past this. I was wrecked. I got a hold of myself. I said, lady, go back to where you come from. Go back to your seat. She stepped back to her seat. I stepped about this far from her. And I said, here's what we're going to do. You're not going to walk out with the death of that boy no more. You've carried it too long. You're going to give him to me. I remember her looking at me going, I can't. I said, oh, yes, you are. 
And I said, a matter of fact, that pain that gets between your shoulder blades every night is nothing but a demon attached to that. Your son is alive. He is more alive than you are. It's time to rejoice. That is the move of God. To pull people out of their hell and give them an opportunity to experience Jesus for themselves. She hadn't slept a night in years. Every year reminded, even with pictures, that her son... I think her only child burned alive. All he was doing, he's went to a youth trip. So I told her, I said, you're going to walk towards me. And you're by faith. You're going to hand me that boy. And she started walking towards me. And she was crying and wailing. It was a, it, the whole church was wailing and wailing. And when she got almost to me, Jesse, she looked at me and she said, it was so horrible. I said, go back to your seat. Go back. You are going to give me that boy. It was 30 or so minutes later. She had, she had to hear what I was saying. How could I let her leave? There's sometimes, Pastor, I won't let you leave. Y'all remember Brother Connors? Remember? We were in St. Louis, Missouri. Him and my daddy and Grandpa Taylor, Leonard Connors. And there would be a man that came in. All he was doing was delivering the organ. Because Brother Connors and my grandfather, they would rent their instruments. They'd go and get a building and they'd rent their instruments. All this man was doing was delivering the organ. Because back then, if you had church, you had an organ. A Hammond organ. Is there any? And Brother Connors, I'll get back to the woman here in just a minute, but the Brother Connors, he discerned a devil on that man. And he looked at my grandpa and some of the men that were helping in the church, and honest to goodness, he said, Lock the doors. (laughs) I'll never get it. And poor Grant Paul Taylor, he would, whatever, he's like, okay. That man was not leaving. See, that's been, we get in a hurry. We let people leave. If I pick up something, if I pick a devil up on you, if I pick up a devil on me, I've been going to church for 50,000 years. Let me tell you something. You're not leaving here. If I can help it. You're not leaving here the same. I don't care how long it takes. Brother Connors would say, lock the doors. 
And that man, he was locked in. Listen, he was going to get saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. He was never leaving that building. <laughs> and when Brother Connors died, Sister Connors and his daughter had a big old-fashioned, big old white tent revival. Tent, tent, you know, big tent. And his funeral was in a tent. Guess who was there? That guy that delivered that organ told the testimony. Not only God deliver him, set him free, filled with him Holy Ghost, and he got saved in that locked theater. It was a theater building. But he became a pastor. And all he was doing was delivering an organ. So I could not let this lady leave. You understand? I wasn't being rude. I wasn't showing off. I could not let her leave. That's what happens when Leonard Connors babysits you as a child and feeds you dill pickles. I've never, why was Leonard Connors babysitting me? That's what I, I, he babysitted me all the time. He would stick up, you know, those big dill pickles, like the big ones, like they're this big. He would stick one in my hand. I guess he didn't know what else to give me. Every time he'd say, sit down, I'll read to you. I, and that's, where was my mama? What were you doing? <laughs> Who was your babysitter? I remember Camilla the day Dave babysitted me. He fed me fish. I don't eat fish. So I smothered it in ketchup not to hurt his feelings or distort his face. I was raised by preachers. So I could not allow this woman to leave. So I said, go back. Go back. And I said, you're going to give me that boy. And about that time, she can walk in up. And I told her, I said, that pain in your back, her husband went to crying. He said, I have to rub her back every night right between her shoulders. She says, it's like a dagger in her back. He, God was so specific. And they began to cry. And she come walking up crying at Wayland. Sometimes she just... Oh, 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 all the way. When she walked up to me, I just put my hand out. And when her hand, when she turned that boy, and she took and she put him in my hand, it was like... The whole church got released. This was not my sermon. (laughs) Slow down. The dishes can wait. You hear what I'm saying? You hear? Slow down. You're missing. 
You're going to turn around and 20 years of your life is going to be gone. And you never felt the presence of the Lord in the way that he designed it. Oh, you you went to church Sunday and, oh, it was a good service and you feel so good. Slow down. Don't just think of him every once in a while. Don't just pray in a way that he's a far off God. That maybe if you pray at a certain time and maybe if you do this and then you kneel a certain way and and maybe if you show up at church on time, God will do something. He's already done it. You're so busy going through your traditional rituals that you don't even realize you are blessed. You are healed. You are redeemed. You are provided for. You are. People ask me all the time, how can you preach this when your own husband laid in a bed for five years with a spinal injury? How can you preach that he was healed the whole time? Let me, let me set that straight right now. It did not take God five years to heal Jason. It took Jason five years to be transformed by the renewing of his mind. took the the children of Israel could have gotten to the promised land in how many days? Huh? 11 days. When it 11 days? But instead, think about it. 40 years? It's a picture of you and I. They could have gotten to the manifestation of all that he has in just a matter of days. But because of tradition, because of their mouth, because of murmuring and complaining, you got to understand they had a, t- God is faithful even when you're not. They had a tangible presence of, of him. Fire by night. That would, some of y'all, if y'all saw fire coming out of the sky, y'all would pass smooth out. Some of you, you can't handle it. If God was to show you truly who he is, and what, if, he's, if he was to open up your eyes in the spirit right now, y'all would pass out. I'm trying to get you to slow down because, see, I made the decision, like I said the other morning, at that kitchen table. I was no longer going to go to church, but I was going to be the church. Now, I'm not saying I don't go to church. I go to church. I'm probably in more church than y'all are. I'm in church every week. I'm not saying don't assemble yourselves together. I want, matter of fact, you need to be bringing people with you. There are pastors. East Texas is blessed with some word pastors. 
it's not on their side, we're not getting it. You cannot be in the habit of coming into a place and saying, oh, that was a good service. Where y'all want to eat? Y'all, want, y'all spend more time in the lobby discussing if you want chicken or barbecue. Come on. How many Sundays did I hear a good word, and before I reached my car, it meant nothing to me? I'm, I'm telling you the truth. I've done that over, and I did it for years. Oh, I thought about it, and it was good, and oh, did you, did y'all have a good service? This is how we do in America. Did y'all have a good service? Oh, it's so good. That's it. And yet no one sees the change in us. The Bible says that we would, we would know, you will know them by their fruit. Before manifestation of the glory comes, there must be fruit. I wrote them all down. What it means is you need to be on purpose. Every day, the fruit of the Spirit, love. God is love, and yet we can't, we can't love our neighbor. There's people, you can't love the people in your own house, much less your enemy. There's peace. There's joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, long-suffering. That has to be first and foremost in your heart and in your mind. There must be a transformation that takes place in you before the glory begins to manifest outside of you. There's no way around it. When you transform on the inside, when you begin to change on the inside... The Bible can't help but to manifest. Do you understand? Did you hear what I said? There has to be a dwelling. I want to read to you some, a scripture right here. Now, I want you to stay with me. You've, you've read this. It's John 14. I love reading this scripture out loud and just meditate. I may meditate on a scripture for weeks sometimes. But 14 says, let not your heart be troubled. You know what he's saying there? Don't do it. Don't allow it to happen. You have authority that's been given to you. We discussed it last night. He said, if you be a disciple indeed, continue in my word. And then we, I, I, I quoted to you out of Matthew chapter 10. And when he called his disciples unto himself, he gave them power over unclean spirits. And so how many of you know that to be a disciple means that you are taught one? Taught by who? First and foremost, by the Holy Ghost. 
The Bible says the Holy Spirit comes and leads and guides us to all truth. There is but only one truth, and that is out of the mouth of God. There's only one truth. Think about that for just a minute. Everything else is a fact or it's a lie. There's only but one truth. There is nothing else. When the doctor says you have leukemia, there's only one truth. Leukemia is not your truth unless you position yourself for it to be. Whatever you position yourself to be truth, and that you will accelerate. Because that is what you believe. What a man thinketh in his heart, believe it. He said, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't allow it to be. It's one of the first, it's on the top of the list of transformation. Transformation, revelation brings transformation. And transformation brings the manifestation of the glory. I was in um, Wichita, Kansas. I go to Wichita, Kansas every October. I've preached in this one church for, I don't know, six years, I guess now. And when we first got started, I thought I was in a Methodist church. I actually turned and told my nanny, I said, be ready to pack our bags tonight. They're going to kick us out here in a minute. <laughs> what? I said, they'll, they'll kick us out, out of here. <laughs> And to my surprise, they, they went wild. And so I, over the years, it's grown. And so now when we go, churches and people come from all over. It's packed every year now. And so I don't know who belongs to the church and who doesn't. This particular year, uh, my mama and my aunt drove up and surprised me. So they were there. And I'm preaching, Chris, and I'm, I'm preaching the word. I don't remember what I was preaching. But all of a sudden, there was a woman, and she was on this far side about, I don't know, about 10 rows back. And I walk. I had a cordless, so I walk back here through the aisle, and I call her out. And I said, Lady, the Lord says you will not die of cancer. Is that the one that you were at? Huh? Honest to goodness. She reached, she grabbed her purse, looked at me, and she said, you're crazy, and starts trying to walk out the house, out the door. And I said, oh, no, no, no. wait, where are you going? I said, the Lord said, you, he's going to heal you of cancer. You're healed of cancer. She said, I don't know who you are. I'm Catholic. And you're crazy. And, I, and she, she kept walking. Well, I had a cordless, so I felt free to just follow her right on out. <laughs> and in my mind, now there, this church is packed. And in my mind, I'm thinking, I wonder if this will go out to her car. Because I can't let her leave. And I'm following her. And I said, ma'am, pl and I, ma'am please. And I, I humbled myself. Please, please, give me one minute. Please, give me one minute. She said, you don't understand. I'm Catholic. 
you're crazy. I said, I understand you're clapping and I'm crazy. (laughs) But you're also healed of cancer. And she said, all four of my sisters died of cancer and I am too. She said, I have stage four leukemia. I don't even know what I'm doing here. You people are crazy. I said, you don't go to church here? No, I don't even live here. I'm in Cal- I live in California. My hotel is down the road. I was just leaving my doctor, uh, doctor's appointment. I don't know why I pulled in here. And I, don't, I, I said, you don't know anybody here? She said, no, ma'am, I'm from California. And I'm Catholic. <laughs> I said, well, it's a good thing. That the word is not a Catholic thing. It's not an assembly God thing. It's not a Baptist thing. It is a Jesus thing. It's about relationship. I said, ma'am, we almost got to the door. I said, please give me five minutes. I can't let you leave out this building. And then you can leave and never see me again. I coached her, passed her up to the front just a little ways because, see, I'm crazy and she's Catholic. So I slowed down a bit. I brought it down a notch. And I just said, Father, I thank you. In the name of Jesus, I command all cancer to leave in Jesus' name. You may go. She was supposed to get on a plane and head back to California. She was only in Kansas to see a certain specialist. The next night at service, she came walking in and she looked different. She came up to me and she said, Hey, a lady, I took my morning medicine this morning. She said, You got to understand. I think she said she took 47 pills a day. Because she didn't only have leukemia, she also had another type of cancer. She had two types of cancer. Huh? She said, I took my morning medicine, but I threw them up. She said, that's not uncommon, though. Sometimes I do throw up, most mornings. So I waited, and I took them again. I threw them up. So I waited. I took the evening, but I threw them up. She said, I'm literally here. I changed my flight. I will get on the plane tomorrow. I changed my flight. I had to come back and tell you, I'm standing here with no pain in my body and pretty much no medicine in it either. Her body kept rejecting it. It was several weeks later when she got in touch with the pastor of that church. And he got in touch with me and connected us. She said, I didn't want to call you until I had the papers in front of me. But she said, Sister Rana, I have papers from all three doctors talking about my, my leukemia and talking about the bone marrow transplant and, and my death papers. And sitting right here in front of me from the same doctors, I have papers stating I am totally cancer free tell me about your Jesus you don't want to be Catholic no more (laughs) 
because I'm still crazy. Her name is Brenda. I had no idea we would go this direction, but I guess it's so important for me to tell you not what happened 10 years ago and 20 years ago. I'm telling you stories that just happened. They're happening right now. There's people right now sitting in your churches, and all they need, they love Jesus. They're filled with the Holy Ghost. They just need to be delivered from themselves. This is a time of discipleship. No greater time right now than people need to be. God is raising up people to bring discipleship, to tell people not about the latest idea that you have in your church, but to tell them about Jesus. I believe with all my heart that God is wanting us to take back the generations that we've lost. I know we've lost at least two generations. To take them back. Mamas, to train up our children. You know how some people train up their children? They drop them off at church. And because they sit in a back room with a woman who don't want to be there anyway, teaching your child, you feel like you've done something for your kids. You feel like that because you dropped them off at a Sunday school class and they're sitting back there quoting little Bible stories that, that you've done your job in training. You need to be that like that woman. I need to be like that woman in Bogota that when situations come up and it looks like the enemy is at our neck growling and barking, that we use it not as an opportunity uh, uh, to fall short, but we use it as an opportunity to put into practice. In every situation, I think like this, I know what the situation is saying, but what does God say about this? In whatever situation you're in, what does the Bible say about it? I've had women say, you know, I hear you, but I, I, I don't know what scripture. I don't even know where to start. Sometimes I get so overwhelmed with the Bible. Let me tell you, let me tell you a secret. You ready? It's called Google. You want me to show you how to do it? You turn your phone on. And you say, okay, Google. What scripture in the Bible? <laughs> it talks about healing. Don't be getting on there. What scripture in the Bible talks about what I'm to do with my husband? <laughs> We have no excuse today. You can't read? There's Bibles that will read to you. Do you understand we have no excuse today? We have no excuse. If you're not experiencing the glory of God and the manifestation of His presence, 
And if these promises are just things that you read but you never experience, you need to check your heart. The glory of God is meant to be experienced. He said, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. And where I am, there you may be also. I want to go on down to verse 10. Read that. Finish reading that, though, when you get home. Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and, and, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. I want you to circle or remind yourself later to circle that word dwelleth. Because, see, that is a key word in relationship. That word dwelleth in the Bible is key to the manifestation of the glory. That word dwelleth is very important if you're going to be the person that says, you know what? I want to experience Jesus every day. I don't want to be praying for a miracle. I want to be a miracle. I don't want to be asking for a move of God. I am the move of God. I want this Dwelling is important. If that's you, this is your word. Jesus was saying, he said, listen, I'm giving you the example of what you are to do. He said, for the father, he dwelleth in me. If it's good enough for Jesus, who are you? Now go over. To my very favorite chapter in all the Bible. I love this chapter because it doesn't matter if you don't know anything. It doesn't matter if you don't know what to do. Psalms 91 is your chapter. Psalms 91 is your chapter. When my son left, I I grabbed his Bible out of his rucksack and I highlighted this and I wrote and I pointed and put hearts and stars and, and everything on it. And I said, I don't want you to read this. I want you to know this. Love, Mama. But Psalms 91 reads like this. He that dwelleth. In the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Jesus just said, I just read it to you. He's telling you a secret. He said, listen, there is something about dwelling. See, the word dwelleth there means to continue to exist. There we come again. That word dwelling means to Remain. Remember what we talked about last night? The Bible's not a book. Don't treat it like a book. It's alive. I remember I was on the back porch sitting in the, on my patio t- 
table and chairs there on my back porch. And I was reading Psalms 91. And all of a sudden, Jill, what happened was I read, He that dwelleth. And those words came up off the page. And even though there's no question mark there, in my spirit I saw a question mark come up behind the word dwelleth. And I saw in my spirit, it was like a vision. I saw the Holy Spirit looking around at the people, looking through the churches. It was like he was saying, is there anybody going to dwell? Is there anybody that's going to dwell? Is there anybody that's going to remain in me? Is there anybody going to continue to exist? The glory that will manifest when you position yourself in that intimacy, in the knowing who Jesus is. Like what I said last night, that no matter what comes and what goes, no matter the circumstances, no matter the doctor's report, no matter how bad the kids are acting, the husband leaves, the bank accounts, it doesn't don't matter the weddings and the funerals that you continue to exist that you dwell verse 1 is important see you need to take that verse 1 and you need to make a decision the glory manifests when a decision has been made it's not something that just comes out your mouth it's something that comes out of your being out of your spirit like that morning at 4.30 in the morning there was something in me I just assumed take my last breath and die than to live without him I said, Lord, I'll dwell with you. When he says, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I began to see, Lord, I will continue to exist. See, at the time, I did not know what was ahead of me. I didn't know the good. I didn't know the bad. This attitude, this heart change, this, this transformation has put me in places with people and with, and that, that have mentored me and, 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 and prayed with me and, and spoken to my life. I've been in places and situations. I've got to minister in situations I'm not qualified for. I was at Kings Island with my sister's kids. I just came off of a roller coaster. Oh, I love them. <laughs> it was called Mystic Timbers. It's the fastest one. It better be fast because if it slows down a little bit, you are going to be scared to death. I just got off of a roller coaster. When my phone rang, and it's from somebody from Colorado, my phone rings all the time with different people and different things. And I normally, if it's an out of town and I don't already have, I don't answer, right? I figured if it's important, you're going to leave me a message. But for whatever reason, in this huge theme park, it's like Six Flags on steroids, Kings Island is. It's huge. And thousands of people 
my hair all like this. Just come off Mystic Timbers. I answered the phone. I don't even know why, but I answered the phone and I said, hello? (laughs) She said, is this Ronna Harrison? Yes, ma'am. Who is this? My name is so-and-so, and I'm the personal assistant to Marilyn Hickey. Who? <laughs> I said, ma'am, who? Dr. Marilyn Hickey. I said, okay. I, I'm getting ready to tell her. I'm at a theme park, and I'll, I, I'm thinking maybe it's their caller saying, you know, we're doing, we're going on this trip. Would you like to donate or something? <laughs> Even though that's never happened. That's what I pictured in my head was happening. She said, Dr. Hickey wants you to fly to Colorado and have breakfast. What did you say? <laughs> I said, I, th- I think I heard you wrong. Let me call you back. It's loud out there. So I start looking around. I said, boys, you're on your own. I think this is important. I'm either being pranked. Or it's important. <laughs> this didn't happen 10 years ago. This happened not too long ago. I can't find a place that's quiet enough so I can understand what she is saying. So there was a booth with a guy selling T-shirts. And the only thing I could think of is if I stick my head in the rack of these T-shirts, at least the T-shirts would <laughs> the sound of the crowd. So I parted this t-shirt rack, because it's packed of all these bright colored themed Kings Island t-shirts, and I just, then I thought, I better tell him what I'm doing. So I said, I'm sorry, I'm not, well, I am crazy. I'm sorry, but I can't hear and I need to take this call. Can I stick my head in your rack? He's like. I've seen a lot of things out here, lady. He didn't tell me no, so I said, Hello? Can you hear me better? Yes, ma'am. Now, who are you and what is this about? Dr. Hickey wants you to come to Colorado and eat breakfast with her. I act like I get that call all the time. I said, Okay. When? Well, she wants you to check her schedule. I said, yeah, I do need to check my schedule. (laughs) I'll call you back. Okay. I called her back. I checked my schedule. And I flew to Colorado. And I told the rental car place... I just want a small car because it's just me. And I go out to the, to the car barn there. And I said, where is the car? And they said, right there, ma'am. And it's this big Yukon. And I said, no, you don't understand. It's not me. It's just me. I wanted a small car. He says, no, ma'am, on the other side of it. 
I'm going to drive to Marilyn Hickey's house. You know, I, I don't have to have no Mercedes, but I can't even see it. <laughs> and as I'm walking, getting ready to go around the... I'm saying, Jesus, help us. And I go around there, and it's a Volkswagen bug. I'm a fun girl. I could drive to Marilyn Hickey's house in a Volkswagen bug. I'll never forget it. I pulled up at her house. She came to the door. She's looking at me. She said, Just <laughs> Is that what they gave you? I said, Dr. Hickey, don't be making fun of my tour bus. And I sit across the kitchen table with her. She spoke into my life. She came around and she put her hands on me. And she said, I'm not real. She said, I'm a pastor. I'm a teacher. She said, she don't know me. She said, something has happened in your life that brought a great change. She told me some things that you told me last night, Camilla. And I thought it was time to go. And she said, no, I want us to go eat lunch now. (laughs) She likes to eat. (laughs) We went to eat. We ate our food. And then she looked at me and she said, you want to taste something just disgusting? I thought, no. (laughs) She said, let's order three of them. And she ordered the bananas where they fry them and they put them in that syrup. We fellowshiped, and then I left. But as I was leaving, I remember thinking, I didn't invite myself here. Yet she does no, knows nothing of me. And it wasn't, what made it important was not the fact that I was sitting at her kitchen table. That wasn't the important part. See, sometimes we, we miss it. We miss what the glory is, or we miss what truly what God is doing. The miracle wasn't that I met Marilyn Hickey and I had breakfast and lunch with her. The miracle was that God said, your relationship will position you for my purpose. So the beauty was not the fact that I sat with her because she's Marilyn Hickey. The beauty was he was positioning me for something greater she, than even she is. Sometimes we take things at face value and we miss what God really is doing. And sometimes we do that with his word. We preach the wrong sermon out of the wrong miracle. Most people, when they preach about Peter walking on the water, they preach the miracle about walking on the water. And listen, I stood at the Sea of Galilee. I remember the lady that travels with me sometimes, she said, walk on it, Rana. (laughs) I remember thinking, yeah, God, do it right now. And I stuck my foot right at the top and let the water splash. But when I opened my eyes, I sunk to the bottom. But see, in that scripture, we preached it so long about Peter walking on the water. But you got to understand, when you look at the Sea of Galilee... Sometimes it's pretty, and it's just, and there's fishing boats. Those boats look like the same boats that Peter were in. 
This gardenia is beautiful. <laughs> and you just want a picture, but you got to understand the miracle was not that Peter walked on the water when he was in the boat. See, there it was a dark season and there was a storm blowing. Most of your life, if you're living and breathing, you're going to come across a darkness. There's storms that are brewing in your life. And you cannot see, even if Jesus is speaking to you, come, come. You can't hear because your mind and your, your, your spirit is attached to the storm. You're so focused on what you see. I loved what uh, your daughter said this morning. Uh, you're so focused on what you see that you miss The miracle wasn't that uh, that Peter walked on the water. The miracle was that he heard the voice of the Lord and he stepped out on a boat. He stepped out in the middle of the storm. Most of us want God to do something with the storm and then we'll make our move. But there is a people coming out of a people. And all they need is instruction from the Lord. It doesn't matter how the storm is blowing. And it won't matter how dark your season is. is. When you hear that voice say, come, you don't care. Live or die, you're going to step out of the boat. You're going to come up out of the boat. It's every time you step out on the boat is when the glory manifests. I am doing more teachy, preachy testimony at this conference than I normally do. I'm normally all over the place prophesying, but I feel so drawn. I feel it's so important that I paint this picture And if I have to use pencils and pens and markers and crayons to draw it out for you, it's important that not one single person under the sound of my voice, including myself, leave here saying it was a good conference. It was good to see everybody. It was fun. But leave here knowing that you have a part to play. And every time, do you know Every time there's a storm in your life, every time, when he said, don't let your heart be troubled, how can he say that? How can he ask you not to be that way? Because, see, if you are transformed by the renewing of your minds, if you are continuing in his word, if you are a disciple indeed, you will experience the tangible glory of him. And you will step out of the boat every time. You're drawn to step out. Have I ever walked on water? I walk on water every day. Have you ever walked on water? I walk on it. It's time for you to walk on water. It's time for you to step out 
of your comfort zone. Get out of the boat. Amen. I want you to close your eyes. Somebody go there in the spirit. Somebody just go there. Psalms 91. He that dwelleth. He that remaineth. He that continue to exist. He that is truly a disciple. You're in the secret place of the Most High. Abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. What happens? Let me... Let me tell you this. What happens when you get in that place? What happens when you're there in that place? I tell people sometimes, because this is my favorite chapter, this, this chapter is part of my trumpet that I blow. Akua, I, have, I told myself this, and I tell people this all the time. If you can't make the decision to dwell, don't read verses 2 through 16. They ain't for you. Don't read them. They're not for you. That's why he started. He that dwelleth. He's asking a question. Who out here? The Lord's house. At Tyler Metro. At Bethesda. Where you come from. In your family. In your circumstance. Who is going to remain with me? Those that make that decision to remain. You abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And what happens with that? Then you are given a voice. You'll open your mouth. Verse 2 through 16 is a prophetic word. It says, I will say of the Lord. Now you're prophesying. Now you are declaring. These are for people that dwell. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him I will trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noise and pestilence. He shall cover thee with feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust his truth. That shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid by the terror by night nor by the arrow that flieth by day. The enemy is going to continue. He's busy. But listen to those that dwell. Listen to what's happening here. Nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that waiteth in noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Why? How is that possible? Because you are remaining. Because you are dwelling. That's the only way that's possible. Do you understand what I'm saying? If that wasn't true, he wouldn't have started verse 1 the way he did. The only way that's possible is from the dwelleth. 
because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even my, the most high, thy habitation, or meaning thy dwelling place. There shall no evil befall thee, neither, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling place. You want to know why the weapons will not prosper when you're dwelling? It's because the enemy, he can't find you. It don't mean he's not trying. It doesn't mean he ain't busy. He's staying busy. The difference is, will you dwell? Will you dwell? I need somebody to make a commitment this morning. I'm going to dwell. I'm going to dwell with him. I'm going to continue to exist. And I promise you, you hear my heart. If I'm not telling you the truth, I will quit preaching if this doesn't happen. The minute, the second that you make the decision to dwell with the Lord and to remain in his word and continue to exist and step into that place called there. Every time there's a dark season, every time there's troubled waters and you hear the voice come, come unto me uh, uh, and you make a move, you step out of your boat and you keep your eyes fixed on him and you walk the way he's called you to walk. The enemy won't be able to find you. You're hidden. Because the manifested glory is so thick, it's so heavy, it's such a presence that surrounds you. It overtakes you. How many times have you been in a situation that if it wasn't for the presence of God, you don't even know what would happen? I give you praise. I want you to just... Lift your hands to him.